Hey everybody, Shop Talk Show number 273, just Dave and I this week answering some of your questions, not a ton because we end up talking about lots of different random stuff this week, but we get to some questions like those social sharing buttons, do they work, what's the data there, I don't know, should you use them, not use them, do they actually help, that kind of thing. We're going to talk about pricing, pricing for web apps, always kind of a tricky thing because uh, you know, for one thing, that costs aren't usually that super high for web products. So how do you price per customer when your costs are so low? Like, what what are the kind of things that you think about there? Uh, kind of tricky, especially when teams are involved for, for a variety of reasons. We're going to talk about building things in-house versus not doing that, reaching for off-the-shelf uh, solutions. Is there some way to calculate and think about if you should, you know, build it yourself or not? And that kind of thing. And then, and then uh, you know, I, just because we, apparently we love this topic, we're going to end up talking a little bit about, like, APIs and CMSs and stuff. And, and like, like what, what, what is on either side of that thing? Headless CMSs uh, uh, is one way to think about that. So those things and much more awaiting you uh, on this week's Shop Talk Show. Mr. Dave, please kick things off. Hey there, Shopping Maniacs. You're listening to the kings of Wi-Fi, Chris and Dave. How's it going? <laughs> oh, fantastic. It's always, a, it's always a fun time here. A lot of times, Dave and I all, you know, have to go into the house and restart our routers and stuff when we're having a little trouble. So that was that, was that kind of day today. Yeah, yeah, it's been, it's, it's, it's fun doing podcasts. Hey, speaking of podcasts, Chris, I got an update for you. Do you? Uh, do you remember the episode with Leah Culver and Brad Smith where we talked about mm. uh, that cool new breaker? Yeah, Leah worked breaker. for that breaker app, which is cool. Mm-hmm. I, I have it on my phone, been using it a little bit. I got it open right now, and uh, I got I got the Shop Talk uh, page open here. And uh, remember, we issued a Shop Talk Show challenge uh, to bring our 92 subscribers number up, way way up. Well, I'm happy to report it's 266 subscribers right now Woo! as I'm looking at it. I almost tripled the number of subscribers. Thank you, Shopping Maniacs. But that's well under the 3,000 uh, subscribers I requested. So um, got to keep working there, Shopping Maniacs. You got to yep. go out there, uh, you know, download it on your friends, your spouses, your partner's phones, and, uh, you know, just just kind of give give us the old boost. You know what just I mean? Just 1% so. of you did this. We'd easily hit 3,000. Yeah, let's get there. Let's <laughs> just hear that get there. All yeah. the people are here. Let's just get there. Let's get All there. Right. Speaking of that kind of morning, it was yeah. like I was even a little late for this because Dave's like, I'm here. Are you ready? I'm like, oh, yeah. Because you get caught up sometimes, you know, like mm-hmm. something weird. Mm-hmm. Like your morning doesn't go as planned and then you kind of forget and your alarms, you know, you just snooze stuff and whatever. Anyway, I was just like, yeah, a lot of times I get up real early. Today I was up, I was up at a, like 5.15. Or something today, just seizing the day, you know. Wow, carpe freaking diem, dude. Oh, nice. Feels good. It's a little. It's a. It's a bit random. Anyway, uh, so I was up, and then and then right, was that the coffee shop right when it opened? You know, which means I like go upstairs, grab my laptop. My office is upstairs in my house. Grab my laptop and go to the coffee shop. Sometimes it's nice to be out and about and whatever. But I, you know, these days on this new MacBook Pro, not to like crap on it too bad, because for the most part I do my job and it's in computer and it's fine. But 
it, it tends to not really love being like unplugged and plugged back into external devices. And then if ah. you're comboing that with like shutting it and opening it and stuff, I feel like there's like a 15% chance that it's just Freezeville, you know? And it always freezes <laughs> in some more really awkward like, way. Oh, you, you're close. Okay. If you're closing it, I just quit. I just quit. I'm not going to work anymore if you're closing. Yeah, like, what is happening with this closing? Anyway, it was just like, okay, fine, I quit. I restart everything. Even that takes a minute because I usually have like 90 browser tabs open and then all the command line stuff I have to run and all the like VM stuff that's got to boot up. You know, restarting is like, it's not terribly slow, but it's a little bit of a pain in the butt. And then Docker starts and it's like, oh, I, I could use an update too, you know, which is like every three days <laughs> Docker gets an update. It downloads like a third of it and then it like fatally crashes. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I fired up again. I'm like, don't update. Just like do that later or something. Wait for the next one. But it's like, nope, nope, nope. You've downloaded a third of me now. So there's no turning back. Like this is irrevocably screwed up. Uh, I shall repair myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, the way and it did, and it, but the way that it repaired itself was just by wiping all containers. You know. Oh, beautiful. Oh, which is oh, fine. Your heart. That's the whole point of Docker is that you just spin them up again and they're fine. You know. Right. So hopefully. I hopefully right. Yeah. Hopefully. And they were for the most part. It's just that like, while well, you spin up your MySQL container and it's fine. It's spun up, but there's no data in it because it was wiped, you know? So it's like, great. Well, let me go get a production database or whatever. But oh, the last one we have that we prepared well is kind of old. So it needs a bunch of migrations. It's just like, I just wanted to go to the coffee shop, not spend two hours on literally nothing. <laughs> no, I, I do wonder if running a VM on a laptop is like a anti-pattern. You know what I mean? Don't like, tell me that. We, we all do that, but like, <coughs> but every time your like computer goes to sleep, the VM's just like, bye. I I, <laughs> I have no idea what you tried to do because I'm just dead now. And and like you have to like spin it back up. You have to like. I don't know, man. I can't even like, yeah, I, I just, I think like, it's almost like only computers that plug into the wall and never spontaneously shut down. So it's, te- it's more and more tempting only cause I, I was like, I wonder if I could, it's just fun switching up your life a little bit. Like maybe I could have my development machine and this is, you know, but whatever, getting older here, life's changing a little bit. Maybe I just have an office with a desktop machine in it. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it could be possible, like these new, I, I'm i not as brave, I'm not switching, I'm going to be a Mac, but unless they, they would really have to kill me. So I'm going to stay Mac, probably. I, maybe one of these new iMac Pros or whatever, and just be like, when I go to work, I have this beautiful screen, it's plugged in, it's just there forever, that's my thing. And then while I'm laptopping, I intentionally don't put a development environment on it. And it's not like I can't do any work, but I would just be like, no, this is my machine in which I answer email, maybe do light design work, maybe Blog. do all my communication, biz devving, all that stuff. Blogging, sure, but just not like hardcore dev. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, uh, that's kind of my setup. I have this, this, you know, desktop computer and I go inside my house and I mean, I have like a surface book laptop now too, uh, which is awesome, but I, I really don't even use it inside that much, you know, just, just occasionally, like I had a late night task last night, but like, uh, yeah, I don't like, I, I, I think it's cool that I saw somebody like Jeffrey Veen or somebody who I respect or, you know, yeah. tweet out like, like, desktop PCs, these new Macs are cool, but I will never need another desktop. And I'm like, and I respect that opinion. I understand that like the future is going mobile, but like, 
I like kind of that's like all I want is just a computer that stays there. It's a like a terminal and then I have to go to the terminal and log in. I, I just I don't know. Maybe I'm just yeah, like you said, like that kind of like you know, I want like to be disconnected so it feels yeah. good to to kinda like we're like know. that even though we're pretty mobile people. Like it's not yeah. like it's not like a yeah, like I want my life to be simple. When I leave work, I leave work. I get that too. That's a valid thing. But I'm like, yeah. no, no, no. My life can still be complicated, and I can still travel a bunch. But 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 still, some separation between where I do dev work and where I don't. And even the types of tasks too, just kind of what you're what you're kind of focusing on. But you know, you're not limited because you can actually spin up the dev environment on a laptop or whatever. But you know, but that's not the goal of that machine or something. So, but. Anyway, well, it's it's interesting to think about, but I don't know. I I I have I operate. I think my work life balance got better when I like have this giant machine. I like have to leave, but then I go in late at night and I play video games on it. Chris, that's my new. I'm an esports. I do esports now. I try to explain esports to my 81 year old neighbor who's who's very athletic. Cleo, uh, she's like a senior Olympian. And uh, she she was not having it, dude. Yeah. I was like, yeah. So like you so like you're play a games, nerd. and it's kind of like a sport because like you have like teams that play. And she just was like, that's not that's not a sport. That's not called a sport. <laughs> it's great. Anyway, uh, I love I love my neighbor. I recommend hanging out with eighty year olds as much as possible. So they give you a lot of perspective on life. <laughs> hey, speaking of eighty year olds, we got some old questions <laughs> we need to answer. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Some of these, I don't know. I actually don't usually look at the date when we pick questions. I just like uh, read through a bunch and grab them. But I should say that you know, please keep the good questions coming in. We have lots of good ones, but it's not like the question bank is overflowing. So please, you know, don't think that if you write in that there's only a small chance that you're. See, there's a pretty good chance if it's a modern question about web development that Dave and I can get to it on one of these shows. So let's mm-hmm. get to those. Some of those questions right now. John McLaren writes in. Um, this is funny. I've gotten this question for a decade, I feel like, and it's always, it's interesting. It's, it's funny. The question is funny to me and the data around it is funny and my own decision-making around it is funny. Okay. Enough disclaimer. John asks me, why did you choose not to include social sharing buttons on CSS tricks? It's pretty standard to have sharing features on a blog. And for many sites, they've proven to drive in traffic. Uh, okay, so that's that's the question, and I <laughs> and it's one why, of those things. Why no social buttons? Yeah, well, here's a funny thing. Um, this is a new question, and uh, there are there's social sharing buttons. So what, Chris? You gave in to big FB? No, it's <sighs> you. You caved to big FB. They've been here for a year, probably. Yeah, but <laughs> and so where they? It's I guess they're pretty subtle, and I, I guess I don't totally blame john for missing them they're at the end of a post they're you know they're after the content but they're before the comments and there's even um some ads at the end of the article next to them and they're just little gray things and they just say like share on twitter you know and they're not they're just styled to kind of look like generic buttons on css tricks they are not the javascript the heavy javascript like copy this sharing button which like loads yeah. in an a iframe and whatever and has all the like fancy functionality of sharing buttons. These are just the and these are endorsed, I think, sort of by 
Uh, it, it splits the middle. What they're not is just an anchor link. You know how social sharing buttons can also just link to twitter.com slash share slash whatever, and you pass it a bunch of query parameters, and it like pre-fills a tweet or something. I'm sure you've yeah. done that. Yeah, yeah. This is like in between that, where it you click on it, and it uses a little JavaScript to uh, open a new window, and then uses the URL. So at least you not you don't like. I don't know. It's not just target equals blank. It opens like this temporary little sharing window. It feels like kind of splitting the middle between the full-blown fancy JavaScript heavyweight link thing that Twitter provides and just a URL. It's like right in the middle of those. And I feel like mm-hmm. it's pretty light JavaScript. So I'm okay with it, but clearly it's not doing that good of a job because um, John didn't even see them there at all. Hmm. In the past, I have actually gathered data on this. I like had them off and then turned them on for a set amount of time and and kind of measured the tweet activity and found no noticeable difference and was like, I'm not gonna I'm it's not worth the the weight of the page to put the full blown ones on there. I don't think those will ever come back to CSS tricks just because I didn't see a lot of stuff on it. And so John mentions here, I'm, I, I feel like you have something to say. So I'm sorry to just keep. Going. Oh no, keep going. I, I just, you know, there was, um, from a performance aspect, they're horrible. Like they, they block, they, you know, I guess some of, most of them are maybe async now, but like, I, I'm looking at a Jonathan Sir post, uh-huh. um, and maybe over accented his last name. Sorry, Jonathan. Um, but uh, johnsa.com, and he like weighs out these social sharing links and just doing like Google, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter. Uh, even if you just take like the top three or four of those, it's like 203 kilobytes of third party JavaScript. Yeah. So, so even if they just are, you think there's still page weight, there's still like. What happens as they're loading in? There's still like you know overall bandwidth concerns and stuff. The performance story, as ever, is complicated. You know, it's not just like well, it's async, so it's fine. Performance story is one thing, but then like user privacy is another thing. And I'm putting on my tinfoil hat here, but like you know how like you go to a website and then you open Instagram and you see the ad for the thing you're looking at on the website like two days later. I don't like that. I really don't like that. So like, and they're using these like social sharing buttons to kind of track your movement around the internet. So I'm, yeah, and that's me being kind of a tinfoil hat guy. <laughs> um, well, sure. I, I don't, I don't like that. And, and I, so I don't want to participate in that. I don't want to give Facebook more data, you know, um, and people are probably sharing. I do think it's like smart to put the open graph in the Twitter summary cards. I, I put that on mine. Uh, so if it the, is like, shared that like a nice image comes along with it, a nice description yeah. of the post and it. Looks yeah. Like- and I actually went through recently and I like added my avatar. Cause I just noticed like when people were sharing my site, they, it was like showing like a blank, you know, placeholder graphic. And I just was like, well, I want to fix that. Let me see. And I think like Twitter updated their cards a little bit. So, um, or like they switch from going to the big one all the time to using a little one. So, uh, in, in most of their apps, no, so. I feel like a jerk when I think about this too, in a sense, because I'm like, okay, I'm going to put this, some people they're right in and they'll say like, I, you know, why are there no sharing? I get this all the time. Why are there no sharing buttons on your post? Uh, I was going to share it, but I couldn't or whatever. I'm like, you shared this. 
you came over to Twitter and handcrafted a tweet and sent it right at me. Like <laughs> that same you know, tweet, that same process could have been sharing an article, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. You know, there's also one other thing that I'm like thinking about um, is, is most operating systems have OS level sharing capabilities. Yeah, Are you familiar? Too. Like you have like, you know, operating system level sharing and there's also have you like the uh the sharing api Uh, have you been following kind of that on the old uh, chrome uh i'm aware of it yeah i think that's interesting not to mention and then on desktop you probably have an app of some kind yeah desktop i have an app so it's like like i literally vomit things from (laughs) from the web i think the the least used thing is is the sharing button and then you click it lets that you even none of those things apply to you and i know i we could talk about the sharing api a little bit more in a minute but let's say none of those you don't use any of those things you just click this little link that i've provided for example here on this current version of css tray and then it just like barfs out like a, a generic tweet and like okay so that's what you really want is just my my tweet that I, you know, like my generic, I read this article on CSS trick and you just hit send. Like that's a sucky <laughs> tweet. Like it's just not genuine. It's not interesting. And so I feel like the people who tweet that kind of thing, I hate to say again, I'm being a jerk, probably aren't like that good of Twitter users. They're not good, but like not very compelling. It's not like they have a big audience of people that just can't wait for their next tweet because they're the kind of people that tweet just generic nothingnesses. So it's right. like, the, how valuable is that tweet anyway? Like, maybe it's good that you don't tweet. <laughs> I don't know. And that's just Twitter. I imagine the story is similar on Facebook. If I just, if you're just the type of person who just finds the social sharing button, clicks it, and clicks send, I'm not sure how valuable that is anyway. Yeah, I wonder. Like, like, what's the weight of authentic, quote unquote, organic sharing versus like just. Click share, you know. So if I'm like wrong, re, though, let, retumbling. Like, I removed these buttons, and all of a sudden, measurably, I was getting much less traffic and much less like engagement on posts. And I could see last week I have 50 less social sharing things because I'm tracking it somehow than I had the next week. I'd be all over it. I'd be like, oh dang, I'm really missing out here. I removed these sharing buttons, and I had a massive drop in engagement from posts. I would rethink this entirely. I've just never seen that. So, John, you mentioned that, um, you know, for many sites, they've proven to drive in traffic. Show me, you know. Mm, Yeah. I do wonder the like, uh, you know, there are times when when it's hard to share, you know, like when you're in a podcast app and you want to share like the podcast, like that a link or something. And it just is like frustratingly hard to share. Or like if you're in the like um, like an RSS reader, my dig reader you know it's like i it doesn't give me the url bar so it's hard so if i want to tweet about a blog post i saw like it's like a five click thing to like figure that out so i could see like the usefulness of it but i don't know what i want to call attention to is this navigator.share and here's like uh there's a web share.api and it's basically navigator.share so button on click navigator.share and you like can send like a title, some some text, some window, the URL, Takes like param. <clears throat> send some parameters, and then say yep, yes or no. You could like say like send a, like a 
do a reply like, hey, thanks for sharing or, you know, like or if there's an error, it's like, ah, oh, we couldn't share this. Darn it. You know, you could kind of like inject your voice, you know, um, you're not just like using uh, Twitter's thing. Um, but, yeah, it kind of gets into the like, you know, intense and it would bring up a uh, whatever your devices thinks you share things to whatever you've installed. Really? And, um, what is it? Yeah. I'm trying to type it into the command line right now and be like. What does it expect? Well, it needs at least one. It's a promise, and it requires at least one object as a parameter. Yeah, the object is title, text, URL. So it's similar to like a notification. Oh, whatever. that's a nice API. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all you need. Uh-huh. And you could generate that. And, yeah, so. and it would just anyway. be window.location.href or whatever. Yeah, and then uh, title is document.title, like your literal. Oh, the literal. Oh, this is fine. Let's see what it does on desktop. Uh, it still didn't. Run. Text is probably optional, like you know, but but yeah, it's, web it's, share I, is disabled. <laughs> That's ah, uh, web share. But it, on mobile, it'd be different. I yeah, I think it's on beta or something at this point. Um, Chrome fifty five, so I guess it is out. So um, that's kind of cool. I like. Yeah, maybe I gotta turn it on. I mean, wouldn't it be? I like this to me is a better better future in which we can kind of write our own sharing and then we use the OS level sharing APIs to spit it out. Like, like Mm -hmm. we just, we just say we access the device and say, okay, device, however you share, here's what you're sharing. And I think that would be cool. Um, But you know, I don't know. I I mean, it all, (laughs) the popularity of that all hinges on what? Chris, mobile safari. <laughs> yeah, you answered right. Mobile safari. The browser. <laughs> the browser that you love to use but hate to update. All right, Another safari. thing I just feel compelled to mention about all this is the tastefulness aspect of it. And that if, you know, I'm sure there's people who are like, but Chris, you know, how can you possibly test and get accurate data when these buttons? You already told us these buttons that you've put on CSS tricks are so subtle and so barely findable almost. Surely, if you had big, giant, blue Twitter bird at the top of the article, that would heavily affect the data that you're gathering from this. And, I, and that's absolutely right. You know, like if, if, if social sharing is just like absolutely vital for the thing, like you can just be super in your face about it. I could be a lot more in your face about it. I could fire up a modal window after you've been on the page for 30 seconds asking you to tweet the article. And if I A-B tested that, I absolutely promise you I'd get more tweets than I did before. And it would be absolutely obnoxious. And there's and, and maybe a few people will tell you that, but a lot won't. And that's what I find so <clears throat> tricky about design and this web development stuff in general is that you know, it's so easy to push yourself to the dark side because any testing that, you know, the more obnoxious you are about things, the more effective they seem. And it just doesn't account for taste, which I hate. Um, yeah. Like how do you, you know, like I, I do think about this a lot, like you have levers to pull and that's kind of what AB testing is. It's like, I'm going to push this level lever up, you know, I'm going to move the social sharing like literally up to the top and make it giant. That's like what I'm, that's my, that's my lever and I'm going to get more clicks, you know, but you, you, when you push a lever up, another lever kind of goes down, you know, not all the time, but I think in general, like you're probably taxing the user and you're probably seeing a, 
probably not an immediate. That's the I think the issue is you're probably not seeing an immediate drop in readers and in whatever user retention. You probably need like a 30 day, you know, test to like see that user drop off, you know, to kind of compare numbers. Cause I, I do think like users over time start getting burdened by these kind of like subtle manipulations. And I, I think it's hard to measure, but you know, I, like yeah. if you throw up a, a sign my newsletter modal, you know, just to get like, just to read this article, you know, people are going to fill it out because they think like, Oh, well, that's the only way I can like get this recipe or whatever. I just like want to see the recipe. Sure. Have my email. You know, I, it, I don't think you get people coming back, you know, like I, I think people like, say like oh you know i went to that website once and they asked for my email i'm not going back to that one so anyway i agree that there's some I, I, but it's it's hard to measure but it just seems like how can that not be true you know yeah yeah i mean i you know i don't know i i i this is maybe my fault <laughs> probably why i'm not super rich um is like i see it as a relationship you know it is like your your site and the user or the the person visiting your site are, are in a relationship and you need to be considerate or whatever um you know and if you're the dude trying to like throw your business card at them at a meetup you know that person is okay you know that's something you should do you should do business but like the person who's just like walking around handing out business cards you're like Ugh. That's not we. I wanted a conversation, <laughs> you know, like right. And it, but I, I like how you started it with. That's probably why I'm not rich because there is some aspect to that. Like, uh, right, you could right. be Gary V, Dave. Like, I, I you know, whatever. Hey, crush it, crush. While crush. I'm being a dick in this episode, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like if you're just like Captain Hustle, everybody, you tweet me, I tweet you back. Oh yeah, buddy. I mean, I don't know. I don't even know how to do a good Gary V. But if you just, if you're just like captain business intensity all the time you probably would be more successful i just don't want to be that kind of human being i just hate it like if i i'm just and and it's fun to be conscious about it and just say like listen i'm just going to be less successful in life because i cannot be that yeah i recently made the decision i think probably already talked about it listeners probably know but i recently made the decision to uh kind of stop doing like side projects at night and i just play video games i play overwatch at night i'm like professional esports at night because i just like ah, you know what all my hustle's done I'll, I'm, I'm tired of like i'll still do things but i've lost a lot of hustle i just want to play video games and so that's what they i'm feeling really confident about that decision chris so don't right. try to sway me i won't of course i won't i do think that life kind of is roller coastery and like sometimes you feel oh, like doing be stuff seasons. and sometimes yeah. you don't. Well, and what the problem is the more like I, I think it's made me a little more productive at work to not be burning the midnight oil. But as you get more productive at work, you get more ideas, and then you're like, oh, I need to work on these ideas. And so, uh, yeah, I've got like a idea stack that's really deep, and so we'll see. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you by Logo Joy. That's just logojoy.com. Check it out. It's an online design tool that makes it easy for small business owners to create their own logo. Like for real, it's a web app where you 
type in the name of your business and then you pick out from like pretty nice logos uh, designed by real logo designers that are like your inspiration. Then it shows you variations and you're picking colors and styles and stuff. It like even creates mock-ups of real world usage of your slogan. It's a really slick web app and the prices are super affordable. So you go around and you play with it and you go through the whole thing. And then if you like it, then you pay for it. And then you pick a package and it's like, do you want, you know, do you just need it like for the web real easy or do you want you know, a full robust package with all the vector art and stuff. Or do you even want a session with a real designer to tweak things up and stuff? All of it is super affordable. You can save even more money because you can use coupon code SHOPTALK for 20% off of it. I think this is really slick. The, uh, the output from these is super nice. They're better than, I, I don't know, drive down the street and look at logos for things. Um, they're always so bad and these are always so good. So check out logojoy.com. We've answered one question here. Hitting half. Well, time. yeah. Speaking <laughs> speaking of of navel gazing and side projects, and I don't know, I don't know if there's a good transition here. But Ron Rowe writes in about uh, pricing for web apps. So probably right, something right. that we're neither Dave or I are like absolutely pro at because we have some experience, but somewhat limited experience. Anyway, uh, Ron Ron Rowe writes in. For example, CodePen Pro is nine dollars a month. How did you arrive at that figure? I'm building an app for teams, and the model would be that a company would uh, buy an account and could either pay per user or on a tier that includes X number of users, what considerations do you use to figure out pricing like that? What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. The uh, We talked about this on the show before. You know, there'll be like an app or something you'll use and it's like $9 a user. And you're like, cool. And then it's like, Oh, you need a team account? That's three grand a month or something. <laughs> oh, right. Like, oh, you know, you're just like, what happened? <laughs> like, like I, I need the team account because like we have to share a login or whatever, you know. But like all of a sudden, your costs like quintupled because you like went to this team account. Um, so I am curious. Like, I I don't know. I'm not. I don't charge for anything. I don't have like a you pay me for this product thing. Um, so I'm not. I'm not an expert here. Um, no, and yeah, I think I, there are I, some experts out there on it. I think I think what we talked about the last time, if I recall, is that for sure, if you can do some calculations, you should do some calculations. If you have hard costs, if you know hosting is going to be this many X dollars, if you know that this customer, for any reason at all, is going to cost you money because of what you're doing, you need to factor that in. That has to be a part of it. I think generally in the world of web apps, that number ends up being super low because it's just like, I don't know, it's a little hosting. It's like not much money. It's going to cost me pennies to, to have this as a customer. So I can't charge them pennies because that's, that's silly. That's not factoring in whatever my time and what's going to get us to a successful place with this web app. So at, after that, then it becomes market analysis, which is what are other people charging for the same thing because you probably have competition of some kind. So comp, you, you can't come in twice as much as the competition because why would anybody choose you then? So you have to see where you fit into the world of pricing. And then if you don't have any competition or you have some wiggle room there or whatever, then it becomes, in which there's so much of this, it's just kind of a gut shot. Just a, what does it feel like? What does this app seem like it's worth? And I think there's a ton of that going on in web apps. Yeah, I think you need to do like competitive analysis too. Um, see what your 
competitors in that field would be charging and then charge a buck less or whatever. Um, I, I think you need to kind of like find comparable things and what they're charging. Um, and it could be, you're like, Oh no way we could like break even with that. And that, that's, I think the thing with products, it's tough. You know, a lot of these are venture funded. So I don't, you know, they, if you're not venture funded, you can't just give like the, the go free or the $5 plan, you know, um, you have to kind of go big. So, um, I, you know, it's, I, I think it's tough. I think pricing is just one of those things you just kind of don't know. I think about, uh, I think about value a lot, Chris, I think about, you, you know, uh, podcasts right now, every, every couple months it's, it's, uh, donate or Patreon our podcast month, you know, and I think it's kind of one of those seasons right now, you know, like, Oh, for $5 a month, you know, you can be a, a supporter. And it's really interesting because I think of like $5 a month for a podcast. I really do love these podcasts. Um, so maybe $5 is, is totally worth it. Uh, don't worry. We're not charging for shop talk, but, uh, like, you know, $5 a month to be a patron. That's totally cool. Uh, but man, that's a, that's half a Netflix. That's what goes through my brain. <laughs> and so I'm just like, do I get half a Netflix out of this? That's really, you know, I, I, you know, but there's something to be said, like under $10 is probably the don't think about it price. And so you should kind of fall in line there. Yeah. There's, there's definitely some psychology behind the numbers. Uh, uh, absolutely. You know? Yeah. I mean, geez, Netflix, they're at the scale where you, if they change the price by a quarter, it would be a big deal, but they gotta be careful with stuff like that. Certainly a lot easier to come down and come up. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that's a consideration there too. Uh, the teams thing is interesting too, Ron, you specifically mentioned teams. We also have teams, uh, on code pen and it was influenced by, at first was thinking like, well, you know, from our end again, teams don't really cost us that much more. There's no material cost here. I'm not melting down lead. I'm not wrapping something in leather that I can measure the costs of like the difference between a team accountant in a, in a regular account really isn't that much you know like it's so we thought hey why don't we incentivize the signing up for a team by making them fairly cheap that you get a discount if you sign up for a team account because why not you get it's you know it's it's cheaper by a third or something you know to really incentivize teams because they're you know after all you're buying more accounts and it's not like it doesn't cost us anything because there's support and you know the more human beings the more support gets generated there's there is a variety of things to factor in but it turns out that like that's usually not what apps do. At least there's a lot of good examples of apps that take it the other direction. And that if you sign up for a team, it's no discount at all. In fact, it might even be more money. And I think that th- that has is proving out to be more of a standard case because it's a uh, because it's like at that point it's probably not one person paying for the account. Then it just gets slapped onto a company card, and the the cost for these type of things is so negligible. Generally, at large scale businesses, they're like I just don't care just put it on the company card whatever but yeah but the the like business value you know like is it worth you know i think about code pen is it worth it for a business to have an environment for like ad hoc prototyping for like 80 dollars a month yeah like and they don't have to like spin up servers and procure s3s and or <laughs> ec2s yeah yeah it's way worth it so like i don't know i it just it, i think like back to the value thing it's like does your team price make sense you know it could be more expensive but does it make sense 
All right. Well, good luck, Ron. Tell us what you end up pricing your app at. That would be that would be interesting. And I have yeah, a I'm feeling curious if what it is. If you if <laughs> so, if you're wondering about it, I feel like it's going to end up being a shot in the dark. I would say that don't go too low. I think it's. I think the common knowledge is that you'll regret too low, and that what you want is like the higher you go, the more like sure the customer is that they need what you're making. Like I think you want those customers more than you want like people are like, man, I guess I'll do it. Customers. One of the biggest new features on CodePen is CodePen Projects, which has been a huge focus for us and is like, if you haven't seen it, you should go check it out because it's, it's just a lot more than CodePen ever used to be. So there's pens on CodePen and they're awesome and very popular and are staying just the way they are. Maybe you're familiar with that where there's like, uh, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, and you see the result right there. Super cool. Don't worry about that going anywhere. We're going to be working on that product as well. There's projects as well, though, which isn't limited to just that HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, but is like a whole sidebar of files. You can have as many files as you want in there. It's limited by the pro plan that you're on, uh, uh, but but there's less limits in there. You know, you can have ten index, you know, ten HTML files in there, and ten SAS files, and 10 JavaScript modules and all your images and just, you know, JSON data, whatever you want to stick in there, drag and drop upload stuff or just click to create files. And it kind of knows what's going on. If you name a file that SCSS, it's like, oh, I bet they want that process as SAS. It'll automatically do that for you. Or CoffeeScript or flip on Babel and Webpack and, and get that whole, whole world going. There's lots of possibilities in there. It's meant to be easy to use and get uh, get started with. All the kind of comforts of CodePen are in there. And not only can you build in that way, then, but then you can deploy it out. You can map a domain name to it. So it's kind of like you're building real websites. I mean, and they are. Uh, yeah, you can buy a domain name, point it at CodePen, and be like managing a real website with CodePen Projects. It's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much stuff to talk about there, but that's CodePen Projects in a nutshell, and it's really unlocked uh, for real when you upgrade to a pro plan. All right. Uh, next question comes from Simon Hunt. Uh, I'd like to incorporate drag-and-drop mm-hmm. nested menu taxonomy editor uh, for use in my projects. It needs to be nested so that I can work with multi-level hierarchies. Is there a good off-the-shelf solution for this, or would I need to build my own? I'm not sure where to start. Help. I love this Oof. stuff. Um, the, what I what I love is the not the drag and drop thing is fine. That's it. That's interesting. But it's also uh, what I like more is that like you, that you know Simon, you could build this yourself, or you could fight easily. There's definitely a fork in the road here. You can go one of two ways, and I always find that to be fascinating. Um, there's even like a calculator we used recently. I forget where I found it, but it was Tim Sabat on my team found some like little calculator because we were trying to decide whether we were going to buy. Uh, I guess apparently we we're talking about ourselves the whole episode. But at CodePen, we're um, we're kind of rewriting how email our email system works. It's an easy thing to neglect in a web app, and I think there's a lot of opportunity with email. With like, there's a million kinds of email. There's like transactional emails that we know all about. There's um, uh, 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 there's like onboarding style emails, there's social emails, there's um, I want to tell you about new feature emails, there's lots of different 
types of emails. And I, I really like the trigger-based ones too, like you did this particular action or you went to this page or some, co- or you know, your account is this old. You have these kind of combination of events that occurs, and then you can write an email that's right to a really segmented customer right at a time that you kind of think is probably influential to, to some decision-making. Anyway, okay, imagine that. Like writing a system like that is basically writing like another web app. Like email can be very, very complex part of the world. And there's plenty of web apps out there that handle that for you. That are just like, I know all web apps need some kind of strong email system. Why don't you not worry about that? Buy our system and then focus on what your app does well. You know, that's like often a startup pitch is the like, don't worry about this. You know, we'll handle this. You do you. And this calculator I was mentioning was about that, which is, should I buy my way out of this problem or should I build it in-house? And it was like, well, how much does that third-party service cost? How long do you think it would take you to develop? What do you think it's worth to your company? And you like put in all these inputs and stuff, and then it tells you whether you should build it yourself or you should do it. And that's exactly oh, that's a yeah. I'd love that. It, does that exist? It does, but it's it's. Okay. I mean, it's rudimentary, but it does help the decision making process a bit. I mean, yeah. If you, at least you have some base numbers. And for us, we're like, nah, we got to build it. We want the control. We want the less cost. We want all this stuff. So we've decided to build this. We could have reached for any number of tools, but we're taking the time to build it ourselves, which I don't think we're going to regret. Simon, you're in that same situation. Should you build this multi-level taxonomy editor with drag and drop yourself, or should you reach for one and just find one? It's tricky because sometimes stuff like this is just no-brainer. Like somebody has created a little... Uh, a little repo, a little library, a little thing you can just grab and it does exactly what you need. And then it's no brainer. It's like, why would I write this myself? This one is probably better than the one I would have written myself. Why would I write a CMS for myself? There's so many good CMSs out there. It seems silly to hand write one from scratch. You have to weigh it out. Like, I don't know. Like, do you think you can make the best possible drag and drop nested menu taxonomy editor ever that fits your needs perfectly? Maybe you should build it yourself. Or have you played around with a few of them that are like, oh, no, duh, this one's great. I should just use this. Yeah. You know, there's, um, like, there's, there's like, I'm thinking of the jQuery days, you know, (laughs) old jQuery days, you know, like, we could go off. There's a, well, there's a lot of like sortable lists, you know. Um, but if jQuery is not in your stack, I actually don't know like what's out there for that, you know, like to like make a sorted because you're basically like creating a record and then you say like where that record needs to go, you know. So, um, the choice to bring so much of that stuff in house, even like we have the project editor at CodePens and React, and I was like, oh, I just need like a right click like context menu kind of thing for some areas, and I just gra- oh, I just yeah. grabbed one because they're. React is starting to have that ecosystem just like jQuery did. Like, you know, yeah. I just need a thing. So here's the React version of that thing. And then right away, the team ripped it out and we're like, no, we're writing this nah. ourselves. And then we had some draggable thing, just like, you know, Simon's talking about here. But it wasn't draggable like objects. It was draggable like dividers, you know, between the stuff. We ended up writing that in-house, you know. I feel like chances are, if it's pretty fundamental to how your app works, you know, at least it's our style to kind of pull it in house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think you have to kind of, I, I'm trying to, I don't know the tool offhand, so I think you would want to write it, but yeah, I mean, I think 
what React you guys have on on CodePen basically the same thing. You have like a directory structure that you're you know you can manipulate in CodePen projects. You know you create a file that's that's like a tag, and then you drag it into the the folder structure you want, and then you're doing some manipulation there after that to like actually edit my Docker or whatever you do on crazy stuff you do on, on the code pin projects. But you know, uh, in, in your taxonomy thing, you basically just update the parent of that tag, you know, to whatever that the left parent is. I think I've coded one of these, but I don't, it, I, it's not coding. This is not, the hardest problem in computer science, it does melt your brain a little bit because you have to kind of manage parents of tags and stuff like that. But you can code it if you want. It's probably, I don't know, probably a good week, solid week of coding if you've never done it before. Say, that's, so. pr- that's probably true. I would, I, what I think is data a little bit too, I'd probably like be really careful with making sure that this is based on not just don't treat the dom as the state here like you should probably think of okay i'm i'm building a nested menu slash taxonomy editor why don't i make sure that i like think of how i need and want to save and store this data and then yeah, build it off of that data right cuz you're going to murder your database if you try to like save the whole tree every single time of like 10,000 <laughs> taxonomies or whatever so i think you'll like have to I don't know. You just you just want to manage each each little link in your menu is a is a, or tag tag in your menu is a uh, has a is a record in the database, and then you like just adjust what the parent ID is of that record, and then everything should fall together. But there's I think there's like a something like a, mm, I'm gonna I'm gonna fail this uh, like. You like say what's to the left and right of it, you know. Um, you know, this is not. Anyway, I don't want to live code this, but <laughs> there's, there's like a, yeah, yeah. I I'm just uh, I, I have one foot in each world at the moment. I was just you know like we're writing a lot of React stuff, and, and then our all, most of CodePen is like you know kind of old school jQuery land, which you know I've said in the past like it doesn't bother me that much. I don't know, like it's not like our code is that awful but some of it kind of is uh, t- just this morning uh, you know before my stupid coffee shop instead like i said i was up super early today getting catching the worm i was working mm-hmm. with this little component a little slider thing that i wanted to take at w- from one area of the app into another area of the app and i wanted to reuse their little rails partial and i was like well there's some javascript that's attached to it so i kind of need to make that javascript a little bit more global than it is now because it needs to kind of work on any page and stuff like that and it just had me pining for working in um react land so I was like, this is just mm. a little component. I would have just imported the component and all of the functionality of it and the data it needs and stuff would just come along with the component. And right now, it is not like that at all. And I just realized how like nasty it is sometimes to like save how, how much we treated the DOM as state. And it just has me like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of murdered. <laughs> I don't know. We, we, like yeah, it's like pulling you're... data attributes of the prices of plans off of labels in it like the javascript didn't work the way i wanted it to because the dom structure was slightly different in this other place and i'm like oh should i like unsemantically wrap this div in a label because that's what this jquery over here expects or you know 
Oh. This reminds me of another problem I'm having. And I know we've only answered like three questions. I know. But hey, but you know what grinds my gears? What grinds? Is uh, accessibility has this problem. And in the ARIA attributes and roles, like I wanted to make just a toggle where you click a thing and something expands, you know, like a drop down pop up toggle. To get this working, you need one, two, three, four attributes. You need ARIA controls, ARIA expanded, ARIA has pop up, which is a Boolean. Wow. And then you need um, ARIA hidden. True or it false. seems so easy Boolean. to screw up, and it also seems like I talk to people sometimes. They're like, "Did you know that if you didn't use any ARIA attributes at all, you might have better accessibility on your website?" Yeah, surprise. So you're like, "Oh, I guess I'm going to go with that option then," because yeah. So to do this this thing, you need these four attributes on two different elements, and the ARIA expanded and ARIA hidden are actually inverse states. So. So if something's expanded, hidden is false. And if something is not expanded or are expanded false, you need hidden true. So inverse state management is like a clear code smell. Like, like what'd you do? Like, why are these things opposite or whatever? And then like, and then you need these kind of two other ghost properties and then you get it set up and then it's working. And then you read like a, Hayden, what's his face? Hey, hey, don't work. Yeah, Pickering's article about how this ARIA controls does nothing, actually. So, like, it actually doesn't do anything. Like, only JAWS, the, the screen reader JAWS for Windows, supports it. And so, you did all this work, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't actually do anything. But I guess the thing is, you're managing state in the DOM, and I think that's a problem. I Like, in... in dom attributes you know i i think that's like oh, a problem i think that's the new ultimate and, code smell is this like are you asking a span for something that's vitally important to the business logic of your app if you are you know like don't you don't have to refactor i'm not saying you have to refactor your whole app overnight but that's starting to be like please don't do that state right. needs to be state and you need to manage the state as this abstract concept where that's where that stuff lives. It's not right. Don't ask a span, please. Well, and I don't, I don't want to like throw the baby out with the bathwater. You got to do accessibility. That's our jobs. <laughs> Shopping maniacs. That's, that's like the one job, but like we got to find better, easier ways to do it. Cause four properties and two inverse states is sort of a joke. I love like, this idea of like leaning on existing. That's why this accessibility stuff plus Plus, like frameworks that have it built in is so appealing, you know. And, and now that frameworks are going to get perhaps in some future day going to get even easier to use because of things like web components and things that you can just be like, oh, I'm just going to use this. I, I need a accordion pattern. I ought to use this accordion pattern because it's got all that stuff built in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe like on our, you know, how like you have the like GitHub page and it has like the little passing travis ci you know thing it's like you have a little badge that says yeah i checked it for accessibility like it's we got it or you can still mess it up but we still we got it that's the thing about accessibility accessible components you know any code additional code you write can totally undo everything you wrote but 
Anyway, that's ah uh, beautiful. Hey, Chris, uh, you got time for one more, or, or do we have to wrap it up here? I think we it has to getting... be. It has to be less than sixty seconds, but let's do it. Oh, oh gosh, this one, that one is not it. That one's so long. It had two paragraphs. Um, here we go. Uh, let's see. Um, okay, here we go. Uh, this is maybe getting in big, but uh, okay, Chris. Christian Kick writes in, uh, I've been a developer for three years and I started with Ember JS. So now I'm working on a few projects and I've found that PHP Code Igniter is super easy to use as a backend. Uh, in a day or so, I easily learned to make a smaller page with the CMS. My question is, can I use Code Igniter as API for Ember? Uh, is it up to, is it an up-to-date solution? Oh, that's uh, great. This is sort of we talk yeah, about this is, stuff all the time. You're basically using CodeIgniter then as a headless CMS, and absolutely yes, that's an up-to-date solution. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I you know I I think so too. I, I think if it works is the the biggest thing. CodeIgniter is super well tested and super run through the the uh, the coals raked through the coals. So I, I think it's a totally great one. Um, I you know I don't hear much about CodeIgniter. I, I will. I'm just. This is the gossip tree. But I'm not big in the PHP right now, anyway. But you know, Laravel is always the cake P or the PHP I hear about. I use Cake PHP, which is a competitor to Code Igniter. But I think Code Igniter won that war. So yeah, I think Code Igniter is great. They had a release like literally yesterday, so or last week. So wow. yeah. Go do it. Yeah, I think that's great. And then separating that back end and front end with different stacks is uh, surely there's extra learning curve there, but it seems like a healthy way to do it. And that's what's cool like about front end is if you, you, you have good modules and a good system, your front end doesn't care what your back end is. And that's great. Like it, it doesn't, you know, you don't have to be on node eight, you know, <laughs> like you, you like just use what works and, you know, and, and if it doesn't work, you know, you'll, you'll hit the edge eventually, but it could be 10 years, you know, don't worry about that. So I think it works out great, Christian. Uh, hopefully uh, you progressed on your project, Chris. I think this is going to have to wrap up the show. So uh, a little quick here, but you know, we, we are the Kings of Wi-Fi. So we have to, uh, uh, kind of, uh, you know, go on to, to setting up more routers and, and stuff like that. So Chris, uh, thank you, dear listener for downloading this and your podcatcher of choice. Be sure to start heart favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. And, um, if you hate your job, head over to shoptalkshow.com slash jobs, get a brand new one. Cause people want to hire people like you. And, um, Chris, you got anything else you'd like to share? Oh, shoptalkshow.com. <laughs>